0: We'll be good. we the
1: Welcome to RTHN version 3 This is episode 28 Funfly Prep So, how are you guys doing today? I haven't seen you I, I, I missed you all last week How's it been going? It's been going Good, well, who we got here? We got uh, we got Scott, we got Devin uh, Dan was almost going to show up tonight It would have been cool to have a cameo from him uh, But he's just out of energy So we're not going to see him tonight So it's the three stooges on the show Nick is actually working So I'm going to... Uh, trying to take the reins and not uh, crash us into the wall
0: <laughs> no we're water. going out dude
1: yeah uh, so okay so who wants to uh go first how was everybody's week Scott how was
0: your week so I mean my week was pretty good I can't say that I've done anything specifically helicopter related but you know I had a good week I'm gonna have some news next week we're planning some cool shit that I can't talk about but oh. as far as last week I did diddly squat I just Played with RC car shit.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you play in your garage on that track or what? I set it up in my living room. Oh, uh, you, the wife let you do that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you do it and then she gets mad and she's like, well, you got to pick that up. And I'm like, okay. In like three hours. <laughs> so not a problem. Nice. But nice. dude, it's fun, man. I've got my own lap counter. I got like 10 of these little RC mini Z things and a couple of the, the higher end pan cars. And they're so fun. Like, my kid loves it. He's there playing with him, looking at him. Like he, he's, like, always pointing at him, going, ada, ada, like, reaching at him, trying <laughs> to chase him around. And you hand him one, and he just looks at it like, oh. So, yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. It's cool just to see him, you know, his eyes light up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's kind of cool. So, like, uh, for you, then, for a car, doing, like, the car hobby, this is almost like simming for you, being able to sit in your living room on this little small track.
0: Exactly. And you go
1: out and do contests with friends and shit like that. And yeah.
0: You can just, like, sit and work on your, your, uh, your lines and stuff, and I'll cut your, uh, close your cut in the corners, uh, yeah. try and get your lap time as low as possible. And people do this thing, too, where it's called um, How Fast Are You? So everyone has the same track layout for the month, and they have the same timing system. you got to have a stock box, stock car. There's different classes, but that's one of the ones I'm doing. And you all compete and compare your times. Uh-huh. And I guess once a year, they take all these people that have the highest times. They like fly them out to Las Vegas, and they all race there. It's like awesome.
1: Oh, dude, that's fucking cool. It's yeah. like a couch contest for, with your exactly. RC. Exactly. I've seen pictures of your little track. It doesn't look like it was too tough to make or anything like that. So, Ooh. I mean, I don't think I'd go through the investment if I just had myself a little target RC car. But if I was trying to get in the game like you're doing, that'd be kind of a neat thing to do, you know?
0: Yeah, it's good fun. Really, really entertains me and the kids. So I'm happy.
1: Hey, two dimensions is worth it, I guess. <laughs> if you can't do all
0: three. Dude, right. it's, it's, <laughs> honestly, it's harder than helicopters. It's easy to do, but it's hard to master.
1: Yeah, I bet. Like, like many things. Yep. Nice. Okay, so no heli nerdy stuff for you, but at least you guys had fun. Had good family fun and shit like that. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the secrets that you have coming, because uh, I, like, I like new uh, heli news, and I like it when it comes, from, comes locally from us, you know what I'm saying? So that's pretty sweet. Yes. Uh, yes. Myself, I got a, a medium amount of flying in, I guess. it's uh, In between these couple of snow storms that came through um, last week, uh, I was able to fly... Uh, took, took my goblin outside in the backyard, took the T-Rex 600 outside, and just, just more just regular, just keeping the thumbs warm and practicing some stuff. And I uh, uh, came up with this maneuver that I wanted to practice. It's super basic, um, but it's uh, just uh, to try to do—I'm trying to learn how to transition stuff together, right, and chain things and make it look good instead of doing a-trick. Kind of stumbling around like a drunken monkey for a second, then flying over to some other area do a trick and then stumble around and then rinse and repeat that's just kind of how I fly so I'm trying to figure out how to tie them all to like, tie things together and transition away out of a move and back into a move so the one I've started with is just a very simple coming across right now I can only do it right to left but it would be a one roll you know on access roll and then Uh, a half a pyro but you wouldn't do the half a pyro at the top you do the half a pyro when the disc is kind of facing you and just drop the tail the tail swoops down and now you're going backwards you do another roll and at that what it would be like three-fourths of the roll you drop the swing the tail down to the ground again and get your 180 pyro in and then you exit forward right and or to try to keep doing it over and over and over and i'm getting a little better at it i can do it pretty good in the sim and I was proud of myself because I tried it from my backyard, flying over my back lot, over the trees that are just in front of the park. It's kind of dicey. If you crash, you're like, what am I going to go climb a tree in the snow, in the woods to get my, tr- my fucking bird out of the tree? So it's kind of risky, but I still did it anyway. And I was able to pull off the move, you know, a few times. And so I couldn't transition out of that move once I was done, but that those little moves with the transitions all came out kind of smooth. I pat myself on the back for that one. What else did I do? Shit of simming like I always do. Probably got like five... Hours a week, so probably ten hours of simming. since I talked to you guys last, sorry I couldn't be here last week. Freaking, my had internet outage here at home, and which it seems like totally counter counterintuitive because I babysit the internet all night long for my job. You know, it's my job to keep it running, but I don't know. You know how you know how it is. You can't control what you can't control. So I was dead in the water, but I made a point to listen to the show. It was really great to hear what Augie had to say about Urcha and stuff. I tell you what, it's uh, the what he described. I could see being like. That, that thing, that dream that you would sell to get the the investment money to start your company or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But to get there, there's a lot of a lot of work's got to be done, and I get that. Dude, I tell you what, dude, it'd be pretty fucking badass if a guy could go, you know, roughly, you know, anywhere between an hour, an hour and a half or closer to wherever they're at, run their local brackets and feel like a little all-star because they're coming up, and then move up a le- an actual type of league, you know, that's not as obscure and difficult to notice as something like F3C if you're not sure, you know, what that is yet, you know, but so just a more broad scope kind of freestyle or 3D uh, focus thing, Um, the the whole learning um, growth thing, I think a lot of that stuff already happens when you go to fun flies and stuff like that, but there's no fully built structure, you know, like um, the, uh, uh, what do they call what is it called, Scott, the, uh, is it uh, the drone GP, whatever the racing brackets are for drones, right? Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's international, and it's fully well-formed all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Multi-GP? Multi-GP. That's what it's called. Right. So if helicopters had something like that, I think that sounds like what Augie was describing, and I thought that was neat. So, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing since I talked to you guys last. You know, I play catch-up on the show. I, uh, you know, continue to fly and stuff like that. Um, And uh, starting to plan some little spring break thing with me and my kids, you know, trying to get that all figured out so we can figure out what we're going to do that week
0: but you still planning um, to do a fun fly for the spring break or no
1: n- uh no i don't think our sights are going to get us that high you know um it's just like i'm sure uh, millions of people all over the country are thinking well okay it's going to be spring let's go on vacation got to do taxes i bet i'll get a return let's want well, maybe we'll try some for the return when the math is done i've got like i'm going to get like maybe 300 bucks i told my ex-wife i'd split that with her i keep the kids but she sees them every now and then and so, I'm going to give her some. But so, yeah, I don't have any vacation money to get anywhere really outside my state. So, we're going to go up north and go do something for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. So, but no, I mean, I, I think uh, most definitely I I am going to go to Urcha this year, come hell or high water. You know, if I have to hitchhike with a helicopter on my back, on my back, I don't care. You know, um, I'm going to that for sure. Not Just not on spring break. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got. What about you, uh, Devin? What have you been up to? Uh, Action packed weekend for sure and week nice
2: we'd like to hear that yeah it was um it was a great week couldn't ask for any better i'm sure of anyone that's flying that is currently flying and going to a lot of events we all know we kind of get the winter blues and uh the Mm, fun fly this weekend rcho really um brought out the start of the season
1: nice it was a
2: great time shake the funk off oh yeah you were all fired up by the end of it. You're like, all right, when's the next one? And then you realize it's like a month and a half away and you're like, shit. Oh, nice. But it was a it was a great event. I had a lot of fun. It was great seeing everybody, especially some of my uh, southern friends that I don't get to see that much. Um, awesome time. Great flying, great people. Just an awesome time. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Some yeah. Some grilling, yeah. some fire, some food and
1: stuff like that too. Uh, the food
2: that they cooked. Oh my God. I don't remember what it was called but it was like a, a Spanish-style food, and it was amazing. Nice. Did somebody just bring that stuff and grill it up, or what? No, they cooked it there. Yeah. Yeah, right there, like at, like, 4 o'clock, I think, 3 o'clock, right on there. They broke out some pans, some dishes. Don't remember what the fuck they were called, but... It was Juan and... that did
0: that, right, and his yeah. family? Yeah. Yeah. So
2: yeah. It was so good. It was so good. Did you I eat the pepper? Like,
0: like the foreign yeah. green pepper?
2: Uh I don't no there was no just regular pepper they did like a burrito style thing.
0: Oh uh, they, they normally it all have the burritos on the grill and they'll give them to you if you ask for it. Oh it's no I did shit though.
2: I didn't see that but they they just Juan and his family they cooked something and it was amazing. So good, such good food. Nice. And the event was uh, great as usual. That events always good. You get a lot of flights in? Uh, no, not not a shit ton. I got a good amount of flights in uh, towards the end of the weekend. I didn't really fly when we get there because I didn't really feel like it. I didn't feel like breaking out all this stuff out of my uh, car. Yeah, And then towards uh, like Saturday, like towards the evening, I was like, all right, my uh, I had a mood swing and I just wanted to do some flying. So I broke out some helis, did some flying, got I got like. Probably a dozen flights in, maybe half a dozen. Not too much, but enough. Yeah, right. Enough to scratch the itch, as it were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> enough to get me, uh, like, all right. When's the next fun fly? You know, like I'm ready to fly. And uh, so it was good. Had a couple good flights. I think there's a couple videos up on Facebook that, if anybody was interested, they can watch through there. See some of the flights of who was there. It was a uh, it was a good time, and everybody was throwing down. Heli flights. Not a lot of crashes this week. Hey, nice. Yeah, I was. It was very different. Yeah, very yeah. different. Usually, <laughs> you get a. Usually, you get a good amount of crashes at RCHO. It, um, from when I was there, at least, not a lot of crashes. Words. So, everybody um, sat around all winter practicing. I bet. <laughs> it and, it and kind and of it felt is- like that. Yeah, it really felt like that. There weren't a shit ton of crashes. I mean, I cr- I crashed, but that that's all right.
1: Yeah, that's all right. What were you doing? You're doing some crazy shit or what? Was that, uh, I saw a video you did, um, you were flying that, uh, your Oxy was like 3000, you had to turn way up or whatever. You yeah. You were trying some crazy shit when you crashed or what happened? Uh, no. So like Saturday night, um,
2: <laughs> uh, Tanner left his, uh, NX-4 on the table full of fuel. Oh.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, uh. Jay was like, "Hey, let's go fly this," and uh, so we went and fly it. And uh will teach him. <laughs> yeah, right. They'll maybe. And shit up. Uh, when I was flying, it something in the tail let go, and that was it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, but it wasn't bad. wasn't Wasn't a bad one. So yeah, that's okay. A... Just just a couple more parts for the for the shed back there. Exactly. Exactly. So, but it was a great time. We had a lot of fun. Word.
1: Weird. i yeah. saw one video about tandem flight did you did, did you see many of those did anybody do any good on them uh which which one was it i don't remember there's a couple guys flying over the bonfires or like out there by the bonfire night flight yeah they
2: did i think i think christy amanti and thompson did a tandem flight over the fire i might be wrong i yeah. think that yeah friday night or saturday night i can't remember but they they put down some nice flights
1: that's pretty cool Most of the tandem flights I watch, like, over the years, it just, sometimes you can tell that a person, like, maybe if it's, like, a demo flight or something, they'll have choreographed it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But a lot of times, it it just looks like two guys who decided to let their boxes overlap, and now they're playing dodgeball (laughs) 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 with their helis all night.
2: (laughs) Sometimes it is, especially if you're flying, like, Scott or something, then it definitely (laughs) is.
0: Sometimes (laughs) it's intentional. Sometimes you want like the craziness and the the near misses, and that's all people are looking for. Mm -hmm. But like Kevin McGrady and I did a pretty half decent tandem at one point when we did that podcast competition like two years ago, three years ago. Nice, yeah. It was choreographed. Someone, yeah,
2: nice. Yeah, me and Chris have done all in the not recently. In the past couple of years, we've done a couple tandems, and we know each other really well. We're good friends, so. Our tandems tend to be kind of... They look kind of choreographed, but they're not really. It's just, Chris, do this, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Nice. So was it, all, it was all weekend then, right? Did you, did you go all weekend or just... Uh, yeah, I drove Friday afternoon and got
2: there Saturday morning, hung out for a little bit, went to bed, and then was there all day Saturday and we left sunday around noon i suppose they fly most or for a good chunk of the night yeah i think saturday night me and my pops we were going back to the airbnb at, it was like 1 in the morning yeah we were we were done we were like super tired and we had a 9 hour drive the next morning so we're like let's let's go back and get some decent sleep so when we're driving we don't want to <laughs>
1: freaking throw ourselves in the ditch with the car yeah, that'd be no fun, for sure. See, I think yeah. I'd probably piss people off because I'm an insomniac and I'm up all night. I'd be wanting to try to fly at like 4 in the morning full fools would be like, shut up! From what I heard when I got there Sunday morning, they
2: were out till about 4 in the morning.
1: Oh, perfect. See, there yeah. you go, my kind of crowd.
2: Exactly. Nice. So they were they were having a good time. and uh, But yeah, wow. I left a little
1: early. But I had a good time. Sweet. That's cool. Well, yes. nice. Yeah, so we all got to play with RC helicopters. You got to play with cars, too. Um, now let's hear about some new stuff in the news. The news.
0: news. news. Uh,
1: news. All right.
2: ah, news. Bad news.
0: Are we good? We got it all out? All right. Uh. news. Alright. Well, in tonight's top story, we have the Tron releasing details on the Tron 90-size Nitro. Uh, Looks pretty cool. They claim that it's, what, the lightest 90-class Nitro helicopter built to date. So, we'll see. Everyone claims the same thing. Apparently, it's around 8.77 pounds dry. Uh, We'll see what happens. Apparently, it has a full size head too, so it's not like a Puma, but they're claiming like Puma weight. So I'm not sure how they pulled that off. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, they did. I mean, if they did, that's cool. And if they did, I hope it's pretty robust and it'll be uh, definitely a cool heli at that point. It's kind of got some kind of T Rex vibes to it, like old school T Rex 700 vibes. So maybe it'll be awesome. Don't know. Other than that, we have got in non heli related news. A new speed record has been set for an RC model, and it's a freaking sailplane, like a glider. Damn.
1: Damn. No
0: motor? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So apparently the pilot was able to stay awake long enough while piloting something so boring that he was able to do (laughs) 564 miles an hour. Unreal.
1: Dude, I've heard videos of those things. They're pretty insane sounding. I don't... Man planes are neat to watch but i don't know if i could fly them
0: i don't yeah i mean it'd be cool like slope soaring or something i guess but i don't know i i enjoy power i like having power behind a model i don't yeah, know if it's for me you know
1: but 500 and some miles an hour is fucking fast fastest hell dude
0: yeah that's unreal i don't know how that's even possible but they've done it and that's cool Dang. So back to cool shit, um, Hobbywing officially announced their former release for all Platinum V4 and V4.1 ESCs. So this is the software that finally allows Hobbywing to spool up like a normal ESC. <laughs> 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 you don't have to wait for yeah. the good old Hobbywing spool up that's super slow or that Hobbywing oh, yeah. kick. That everyone oh, I hate that cute. kick,
1: dude. I put my bird down like 45 degrees off to where I want it to be because of that fucking kick.
0: Yeah. And it's like that. If you want the Neo Gov, you get the kick or the, any kind of fly barless Gov. And if you don't want it, you put it on hobby wing Gov. And it works great until you put the last version of the V-Bar software on it. Then the spool up could not be adjusted and it took forever. Once it was spooled, it was great. But I had to listen to the constant ridicule every time I click in to go. Starts spooling up, and then I hear in the background, <laughs> "Must be a hobby wing," and I'm like, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> so go
1: already, come on,
0: yeah. After years of of asking, can they fix it? They've done it, and I'm so thrilled and I'm so excited to get this on my ESC and try it out. So yeah, yeah, because the so, hardware's absolutely solid. Now the software should be up to par with it.
1: So, if I'm not mistaken, though, this is also uh, what allows. Guys, to use the radio to do all the Hobbywing software.
0: now yep, so you, you don't blocks, need a right? Hobbywing program box anymore.
1: Fuck yeah! Yeah, dude, that's cool as dude. Yep, dude, I'm the excited. open source nerd in me is hoping that somebody will come up with a Lua script that sort of does something similar. I don't know if you can get into the Hobbywing software enough to be able to write code that'll work in HTX that'll talk to them the, the ESC if you got telemetry like that. But dude, you if it it out? Could, That would be so neat.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's exciting. Other than that, it looks like a couple select people have some NEOs. It still hasn't passed FCC approval. I hope that someone writes me an email and tells me I'm wrong, that when this airs, it passes FCC approval. Because I don't have any NEOs, because I'm an idiot. I sold mine, and uh, I'm waiting for, the, waiting for the new one to come out.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. No so flying to go in. Oh, well, you could always just try to go like under the radar and go rogue. Get one smuggled in in uh, some art or something.
0: Yeah, I'm not brave enough for that, but I might try no bar. We'll see what happens.
1: Hey, there you go. Let your balls <laughs> hang
0: way low. Way low. No bar and a 700. <laughs> uh, other than that, it looks like Soxos has released a Strike 7.1 that's designed for a 6S setup. So think like SAB Puma helicopter, but as a Soxos. So apparently, again, it's designed to run a 6S on a 700. You can run 12S. I guess you'd want to run like smaller batteries on it or something. But you'd run just the same kind of setup as a, a Puma. You'd run a smaller motor. 6S battery slid all the way up front to keep the CG good. And you'll have yourself a super lightweight, you know, lower head speed helicopter, which are really fun to fly.
1: Yeah, dude, if Nick was here, he'd probably be having a little nerdgasm about this.
0: Yeah, or, or, um, or Dan.
1: Yeah, for sure. Or Dan. Yeah, because he's
0: got one. He'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, my wife ordered me three of those." <laughs> yeah, because that's a thing. Uh, other than that, I got to watch some absolutely epic flights from the uh, the beaters Fun Fly at the ranch, and I also saw some shenanigans from RCHO. Yeah, yeah, Devin, yes. did you say see any shenanigans at RCHO? You want to tell us a little bit about it? I didn't say nothing.
2: <laughs> nothing. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no shenanigans whatsoever nice yeah
1: no it was, it was good well all i know is looking at it from afar at a distance over social media like so many of us rc heli enthusiasts do because we can't get to the fun flies ourselves or we just don't know how to do it it looks like a fucking great time i see stuff from all kinds of fun flies and they all look fun but i don't know it just looks really inviting to go there
0: well luckily that walks us into our main topic doesn't it
1: yes the segue. Oh, yeah.
0: Segue.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so we're talking about fun flies, and you know, people talk about fun flies all the time. But um, kind of like uh, you know, we were talking about intro nitro stuff a couple episodes ago. People don't really talk about that stuff, right? So in the nitro world, and also in the fun fly world, it seems like there's not really a lot of open dialogue about like what do you do to prepare to go to a fun fly? Like, how do you go about getting? Do you have to be a member of that fun fly? You know, I think a lot of people already kind of know you got to have an AMA membership to go to a, a flying field. But how does that all work? You know what I'm saying? So I think maybe this episode would be a great time to talk about, like, you know, like for you guys, because you go to them quite a bit. How do you what do you do to plan for that? You know, how do you get to packing, you know, and do you ever bring too much shit or not enough stuff? What, what are the things you You want to make sure you don't skip out on we did. We touched on this super duper briefly way back some amount of episodes ago talking about like what we bring to the field and what we bring when we're just flying a little bit, you know, but I thought we'd take some time. We could elaborate on that a little bit more, you know, really the only experience that I have about it is when I was in the hobby in the past, the guys that there's a couple of guys local here that fly Uh, this guy, Mike right in town here, he owns a an auto shop here in town. And he has got a whole bunch of helis. He's got the trailer. He's got full solar on that thing, charging, workbench. He's like all the way in there. You know what I'm saying? He's just like a mobile flying field. He's um, got the kitchen
0: sink in there.
1: Dude, I, he might even have running water now. I have no idea. I know his, his like RV and all that shit has all that, you know? But I got introduced to him because I met a guy that lives a half hour south of here. And I, then that's how I realized there's a guy in my town. And so back then, there wasn't really a good way to link up. But my point is, once I started to go with them up north a little ways, to a couple, I went to a few fun flies with them. And it was a whole different experience. I felt like a fish out of water, but really quickly, you know, the people um, made me feel comfortable, but it was real foreign to me and I was just winging it. You know, I took a piece of plywood. I made this shelf in my car to put my helis on and so my bags could go underneath. And, but I didn't know what I was doing and there was stuff I forgot and stuff I never even used, you know, uh, at that fun fly. And so as the new season starts, you know, I think a lot of people, especially since we've all been kind of locked down in our houses right for two years and a lot of there's just been a lot less movement happening um well i think there's probably a lot of people that are like you know what this is going to be the year that i'm just going to go to one and for me that's that's me you know for sure i want to go to urcha um so maybe i don't know let's see if maybe one of you two fun seasoned fun fly attenders can share some insight on how to go about it
0: yeah devin you want to you want to start with what you prep on or does your dad do everything for you
2: oh my dad does everything (laughs) for me I hate no, you so much. <laughs> uh we we usually um start off before we pack cars is uh we take all the shit we know we want to bring and we put it in a line in our basement and we get it all in a in like a dog pile. And then there you go. That's what you gotta put in your car. That's usually how yeah. we start. At least when it's it's that aspect. Picking out what you're gonna bring depends on what what helis you're gonna bring. You know, spare parts, what tools, and all of that nature, and I guess we can yeah. get into that now.
1: Um, I suppose, like spare parts, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? Because you really never know what the vibration of the events going to be like, and how, like you were talking about when you went to RCHO, you first got there, you just didn't feel like it, but then after a while, you got in it. You know what I'm saying? And So you'd bring two sets of blades or five. You know, it's a, kind of a a hard thing to decide, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: You mind I if think I uh, take a stab at this? Scott
1: always brings
2: blades. Let's get real here.
0: <laughs> I know. Tail blades, at least. But, like, we're talking new person, right? Like, fresh to fun fly events, never been, um, and they want to know what to expect sort of thing or what they should do?
1: Yeah, like the guy that flies around in the cul-de-sac or goes down to yeah. the park. You know, or maybe every now and then him and his buddies fly and the buddy doesn't really know much about helis. Or maybe there's two guys that don't know what the hell they're doing and they crash together, but they want to go do that with other
0: people. So my best advice would be don't go from flying in the cul-de-sac or a park immediately going to an event if you want to fly a lot. So if you want to go to an event and show up and just watch and see what's going on, 100% awesome. Show up, bring your helicopter and a couple things, whatever. Enough people will be able to help you out and get you in the air that it won't be a problem. But if your plans are you want to go to the event, you want to fly, you want to have a good time, maybe you're a proficient kind of 3D pilot, but you just don't go to events, um, my biggest recommendation is go to your local field first a few times. So figure out what you need. Figure out what you use. Do I need this tool? Do I need that tool? Do I really need an entire tackle box full of screws and spare parts? Or is that excessive? So, you know, two or three trips... Look at what you're doing, look at what you use, look at what you don't use. And that gives you a really, really good idea of what to bring with you. As far as bringing like blades and spare parts and stuff like that, um, ask yourself, do you really want to wrench on stuff at the field? Um, A lot of people don't like to do that because you you drop parts, you screw things up. People talk to you, you put bearings in backwards, like it could be a problem. Some people, you know, smash them in like it's a day that ends and why. Not everyone wants to do that. So if you're the kind of pilot that doesn't want to wrench at the field, don't bring those blades. Don't bring those spare parts. Cause if it goes in, just put it back in the car and hang out with your friends and have a good time. You know, Um, my biggest recommendation there is bring a couple of helicopters, bring two, you fly like normal shit happens. It goes in Fly conservative with the second one (laughs) and just kind of take it easy and you're good to go. Um, And, and just have it in your mind that the first one's not going to be perfect. You're going to forget something. You're going to not have something. I mean, I was there, what, four or five years ago or something with my buddy, Mike Lawrence. And we get all the way to RCHO. He looks at me and goes, I don't have my radio. Oh, no. 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 Like, what are we going to do? And he was on Spectrum. So it wasn't like V-Bar where you could borrow someone else's. And Yeah. yeah, that was a thing. And I'm not even kidding. Three years later, I did the same shit. I left my V-bar radio charging upstairs and I forgot because I wanted it fully charged for the event. I got to RCHO, unpacked the car, and I was like, oh, fuck, I pulled a Mike Lawrence. No. (laughs) Yep. So, you're going to forget stuff. Don't get mad. Just chill. Someone will be able to take care of you. If not, you're still watching helicopters, having a good time. Um, Someone will probably let you fly their helicopter or buddy box with you. It's just what the community's like. You know, everyone's kind of out to make sure everyone else is having a good time, especially at places like RCHO. That's kind of what they do. Yeah, But yeah, uh, I, I do also recommend doing what we talked about with our, our tool bags. You guys remember that episode? Yes, I always say- I kind say, of vaguely remember. Yeah, everything that we take to the field or use or fly, once you kind of get this whole kit going, once you've been to the field a few times and get an idea of what you use or don't use, keep that kit together all the time. Keep it all zipped up in a bag um, or storage box or something. Revisit it every now and then, make sure that there's nothing in there that you never ever use. But that that goes a long way. When you know that you have a grab bag that can go to events, it makes planning this stuff so much easier.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, plus two, I suppose, then like those transition moments where you got to prep your heli or you did crash and now you got to fix it, it's all familiar because it's your bag the way it was before. It's exactly. just maybe sitting on the guy you came with table or if you brought a table or something. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And then maybe then you're not overdoing it and Trying to keep track of all this other shit, you know? That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So, like, what do you do, Rob? Cause, cause have you been, you've been to an event or no?
1: I have. I mean, it's been a while, oh, okay. but, you know, I've been to a couple of events. And, you know, um, here's one thing that I did notice when I went. I aired on the side of caution. So I, uh, I had this Tupperware bin, like a deeper Tupperware bin. And I basically took all the Gaudi parts that I had on my peg rack, like e- literally everything, and I just dropped them all in this big Tupperware bin um and stuff that in my car and then my backpack and and my sleeping bags and all this other shit you know because uh i brought a tent but i chose to sleep in the car because it was warmer but and i had my charger and my helis and all this stuff you know and at the time i had this suv that had the room in the, the little room in the back you know and i was like well where do i put these helis i don't want them to get damaged while i'm driving and so i got inventive and i made this little wooden kind of a shelf in the back and with little clips and that's where i put my helis and i was really proud of that and um, and I kept using it after the fun flies and stuff. It was functional, right? It got me to the fields and, and I, I, that, that part was great. But I got there and I realized I had all this stuff and something I never ever, and maybe it's just, just because it's part of my lifestyle and I'm bringing it up because I'm sure there's lots of guys like me out there that would run into this. I get to the fun fly, I got my charger, I got my little computer tower power supply that I made into a 12 volt uh, power supply for myself, you know, and then I had to figure out how to borrow electricity from somebody, you know what I'm saying? Because the field I went to, they they didn't have electricity there. And of course, it's a fun fly, so lots of people had the stuff, but I felt weird being there, not having the stuff around people that already were prepared, and I felt woefully woefully unprepared. So, you know, maybe, you know, coming from the newbie side, I feel like something that would be important would be to try to dial in how you're going to handle electricity while you're there, because you got to uh, electrify your helis you got to charge up your receiver packs if you fly you know nitro that kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah so, that's
0: a big reason why i was like you know go to your local field go to a couple different local fields and see what you need see what you use so you'd, you'd get to your local field and you'd be like how am i going to charge this shit and you know give you an yeah, idea
1: yeah well, see well, see here's here's the catch 22 on that one though right i'm one of those guys that at home, while I'm getting ready to go to the park, I charge up a bunch of packs, I go to the park, and when the packs are dead, that's when I know my session's done, you know? And then I do the dance with the last pack that everybody does, like, do you fly the last pack? Are you going to curse the helicopter? Or whatever, right? Not That's notwithstanding. But the point is, I don't run into a scenario where I have to deal with electricity in the field, out in public, you know what I'm saying? So that caught me off guard when I went to the fun fly. So I think that's something that people want to consider when you're going to go out to a place that's not near your house go to a fun fly or something you know it does that field like i think rcho they they have electricity there so you'd probably be able to just plug your charger in and go to you're good but you'd want to know that going into it and you know i'm sure there are folks that have a generator and so they're like well just bring it and then you get there and they have electricity
0: i do that if i don't know i'll bring a generator i even bring a generator to rcho because they use a diesel generator there so there's obviously a chance that god forbid something could happen and that generator might be dead yeah, so yeah. at least you can get there and fly, but fields like my local Charlotte field, they have 110, you know, literally buried under the ground into breakers and everything. Like it's not going anywhere. So I don't bring my generator there, but yeah. when in doubt, throw in the car kind of thing, you know, cause I only charge at the field too exclusively. I don't charge in my house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. Well, and you know, so power, we kind of talked about power. That's, that's a pretty basic thing, really. All of us grown adults, when we go out and, and we're going to go do something that's not like at the hotel or out somewhere, you think about things like generators and this and that. So that's pretty common knowledge. But for me, it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad we talked about it. And so here's another aspect of fun flies. I think that maybe we want to talk about. Uh, you know, like you you'll be out on Facebook or you'll just be wherever, and you'll see the ad for the fun fly. And sometimes on the ad itself, it'll tell you what the landing fee is. Right? The landing fee would be what they would call like. The, how much it costs to go to the fun, you pay a ticket to go, basically buying a ticket to be at the fun fly, right? Kind of like when you go play putt-putt golf or you go to a movie, you got to pay to play. And the landing fee is that for going to a fun fly. Um, and that can be pretty obvious when you see it on an advertisement or whatever, but there's a couple of other logistics steps that you want to make sure you take care of too. Um, I'm sure there's lots of flyers out there that maybe don't know what that AMA is the thing, or if you do know, it's just not relevant to you, it seems. But if you want to start getting into the FunFly world, that's going to be one of the things you're going to want to consider. Because you wouldn't want to make all these plans, pack up your car, drive six hours away, show up at the FunFly, and they're like, okay, landing fee, and can I see your AMA number so that we can put you on this list or whatever? Um, Now you got to figure out how to do that. Now the good news is, for something like that, uh, if listeners will recall when we had Nick Maxwell on, he talked about, he showed up at a contest, and right there he... he must've gone on his phone or something like that and renewed his AMA membership. And then after renewing it, then paid his landing fee to be at the field or whatever, so that he can compete. So don't be scared if you show up and you forgot to do that. I mean, if you got mobile data, you could just go and do it right there. Just stand there in the field and get what you need in play. But I mean, a prudent person would take care of that stuff first. You know what I'm saying? But just know that that costs money. That's, I think it's like 59 a year, not a lot, you know, but just be prepared for that, you know, Um, I think you guys heard me when I talked earlier about, am I going to go to a fun fly during spring break? And I talked about, essentially started dancing around finances. Some people out there don't have the money to spend $1,100 to get to a fun fly and be there for three or four days. You know what I'm saying? Some people got to save up money so that they can buy that AMA membership and then make sure they got $25 stored away somewhere else. And then they got the gas money and it's four hours away and they can do that. You know what I'm saying? But so to know that you got to make sure that you got your AMA membership so that you can do the landing fee. Um, Some fields might even allow you to uh, pay a different fee to cover that liability if you don't have AMA, right? If I recall, when I went up to Bemidji, the field I went to, first year I went, I didn't have AMA and they let me do that. It was 20 extra bucks or something like that. Um, So that might happen for some fun flies, right? But the the stock way to do this engagement, as far as I understand it, is you get your AMA membership, and you can fly at public fields or fly flying fields or you know AMA sanctioned fields and stuff like that. And then because you have your AMA membership, then you can buy the landing fee and sign your name on the. Is that is that? Am I articulating that correctly? More experienced uh, fun fly attenders, YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And always remember bring cash. I don't know if you mentioned that.
1: I did because not know. everybody has credit card stuff for that. Yeah, they're not gonna do that. Apple Pay. <laughs> yeah in, under the under the tent. Yeah. You know, speaking of tent, that's, that's another thing I wanted to bring up is the um, other amenities kind of thing. The first year I went to a fun fly, I didn't bring a table or a tent or nothing. I just relied on people around me. And very quickly, the tent thing, eh, not as much, but very quickly I realized having control of your own surface area is a super crucial thing. When you go to a fun fly, or at least if you, or, or else like say something like RCHO, where they have practically a whole workshop, you know, where you can steal away some space on a bench somewhere. Um, that first time that I went, because I've only been to two in my whole life and it was one year and then the next year, and I was a little more prepared the next year. But that first year, you know, there were moments where, you know, the guy that I went down there with, he was using his table. And I'd have to swap things off or whatever, change batteries and just do it all on the ground in the grass. And it just felt really juvenile and weird and I felt out of place doing that. That's that's more of a personal feeling, but logistically or like practically wise, yeah, dude, spend the thirty nine bucks to go buy like a little six foot table from Walmart or something and make sure you bring something like that with you. You know? Well, having a cover though is also I think pretty important for comfort you know you want to bring a folding chair so you can sit down right um and uh, if you can if you have one already great otherwise if you don't maybe this is a good reason to just add one to your household get one of those fold out little square um cover, uh, what do they call those things um come on help me out guys what do they call it it's not a tent it's i
0: don't know what you're shooting for there. oh the awning like an easy up
1: yeah easy up yeah Yeah. just a little those little you put them out you know and you see them at like fairs and wherever you know and you there's a little tent you stand under you want to have shade and stuff like that you know everybody knows what i'm talking about you've seen pictures of fun flies all over the place right you need at least something like that or you know guys sometimes will bring RVs and sit in their own shade and stuff like that you know but um if you're going to be standing outside in the air and on a nice day for hours and hours you're going to want to have shade and if you didn't prepare for that it's going to feel uncomfortable and so you want to make yourself as comfortable as you can. So think about shelter, you know, like some sort of shade, somewhere to sit, somewhere to put your uh, tool bag and your helicopter when you're not flying. Because, you know, a lot of times the flight lines are pretty long and, or you just go a couple of layers back with your tents, you know what I'm saying? So that's something that I, when I was planning to go on my first one flight, those things, those thoughts didn't even cross my mind. And then when I got there, I realized, oh, this is a part of doing this that I need to figure out how to do too. So so, yeah, that's another thing you want to make sure you bring if you're going to go to a fun fly is personal base. You guys agree? to? Yeah,
0: yeah. I agree. I always forget to bring a chair every single time.
1: So <laughs> I just bring a, chair,
0: bring a table and a tent. That's fantastic advice. I usually. Oh, and freaking water. Bring water. Mm, there
1: you go. Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times advice. I
0: show up and I'm like dying and I'm like, why am I so dumb?
1: There's nothing to drink or there's only soda or beer or something like that. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good tip. I I wouldn't even thought to bring that up this whole episode.
0: Yeah, I go whole days without feeding myself or drinking anything when I fly just because I forget and I'm having so much fun. At the end of the day, I'm like going to pass out. I'm I'm like woozy. I'm like, what is going on? And my wife's like, you didn't eat again, didn't you? I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Basic human needs. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Right. What about
1: you, Devin? What do you do? Just put it all in your back pocket? Uh, yeah, I put it all in the camper and pull it behind my truck. See, there you go. That makes it easy and so yeah like if if you have access to that kind of stuff you can pr- pretty much compartmentalize everything it sounds like
2: or even or even if you don't own it yourself because as as you said, Rob, not everybody has the income to have some of the things that everyone else does. There are people at these fun flies that if you're really looking to come out they're everyone are really good people they will. Help you and try to help you out. If you're looking for a place to stay, but you don't, you can't afford a hotel, start asking around people that you know that are going to be there that have those amenities. They probably will give you a bed to stay for a couple nights.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good tip too. You know, um, let's face it, fun flies just by the nature of the fact that there are a bunch of people near each other interacting, it's a much more social thing than rogue flying. You know what I'm saying? So I think, like what you're talking about, I think that's an awesome idea. You know what I'm saying? And I'll, I'll I'm kind of being a little self-deprecating here, but uh, some people are out of practice when it comes to being socially interactive in person, right? And so if it's a person you've only ever met online or something like that, sometimes people will balk at the idea of, hey, can I sleep on your couch? But, you know, I think as I've experienced, and I think you guys always talk about it, a lot of people know this, the type of person that engages in this hobby as deeply as we do is the type of person that you could feel comfortable around in their house, you know what I'm saying? So they, that would be an apprehension I think you could probably get over pretty quickly, but even if you can't, you know, and you just want to take your social interaction in smaller doses or whatever, and you don't have like an RV or something like that, I saw a guys, it was some thread going around, they were talking about, uh, you know, the logistics you talk about when you're talking to your friends about going to a fun fly, and I was lurking in there, just, just kind of learning and being a so like a wallflower sort of uh, in that thread and one guy was asking about it and the other guy was like yeah just uh wherever you're going look up that town and call and ask about rv rentals book an rv rental for the weekend that you're going to be there and then you locally source the rv drive it from wherever that is to your fun flight use it you're fully you know self-contained right kind of like you talked about put all your shit in your rv and you're good Now, you'd have to travel with your stuff in your car to get to the RV, of course. That's fine. But you'd have a thing, right? You'd have your own place right there at the field. And then you go drop it off when you're done. Drive home.
2: Yeah, that works great. When I, like, towards the end of the season, after I've gone to a lot of events and I've put some money in fuel and water and, well, not water, but just mostly fuel. And you got some further events, 10, 12-hour drives. I have done that. I have have a 30-foot RV that I... But I personally have myself and sometimes you just, you look at the logistics and you're like, it's a 12 hour drive. It's going to cost me $400 in diesel one way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh And you can go out and rent, uh, like a 40 foot fifth wheel camper for, for that much for the entire week that you're spending. It's, yeah. it's, it's insane. I think if you, especially if you have friends that you know are going, and you split it amongst each other, you can do a fun fly for like four days, and it'll cost you like a like a hundred bucks for the for this just for the camper by yourself. If you split it, yeah, that's and that's nothing compared to going to get a hotel or dragging one down yourself because now you got to pay for
1: fuel and everything else like that. Yeah, see, for sure, that's some good adaptive thinking because you know when I think back. Um, And this is speaks to just traveling in general. And, you know, in our case, the end result is to go fly with our friends. Right. But I can think back to like five years ago, not even three years ago. You know, the travel part of this whole thing was so much less of a logistic to have to worry about. You know, it wasn't really debilitating. But now, just by nature of the way, just kind of how the world is built right now, um, It's almost prohibitively expensive to travel, you know, compared to the end result of what you're going to be doing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, to think out of the box and do something like that and just, you know, source that stuff locally rather than pay an arm and a leg to get to somewhere, you know, that's a a great tip.
2: Yeah. And if I am, if I do bring my trailer somewhere, I almost always have local friends that I fly with come with me and you split it amongst each other. You split the driving, you split your gas bills, you split, you split everything. So ultimately, if you have, you know, let's say you, uh, you talk to your friends and you're like, we want to go here. So whoever has like a truck or a bigger SUV or like a minivan, We'll pack your cars. We'll each bring like two helis and some tools and whatever we need. And you'll got, you know, and split up whatever you need to get there. And then split the driving, split the cost yeah. of gas, split the cost of food. It's way cheaper sure. rather than yeah. trying to get yourself somewhere if you have that option.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Well, and, you know, too, that brings up another topic. The first fun fly I ever went to, it was... Uh... My buddy, Paul Over, and he lives down in Little Falls, a couple of a half hour south of where I'm at, right? That's the guy I mentioned before that I met. And then that's how I discovered there was a guy in my town that flies too. But he kind of popped my fun fly cherry, took me, we drove together. He come pick me up and then we went together up to Bemidji and carpooled the thing and shared the resources or whatever. The next year I went on my own. But um, so for some of you new guys, if you do know somebody that's local, that might help uh, ease the stress of trying to segue into doing something, hopping into this new world of fun flies, right? If go with someone else or better yet, go with someone that already has done it. Like I did with Paul way back in the day. Thanks again, Paul, for that. You know, so that, that might help too. You know, I think some people, you know, this, don't, don't take this the wrong way listeners. And I think that some of you guys that are listening will get exactly what I'm saying. Cause I feel like this sometimes too. Some people are just kind of scared to get up out of their bubble and go do that. You know, it's outside their comfort zone, um, but they want to really badly. So I'm really hopeful that some of the things we're talking about today will help ease that pressure, right? And like you said, Devin, going with friends—if you—if you've got some friends locally or even regionally—you can plan regionally and then get together and then all go on your adventure. That would make it a lot a lot more palatable, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've done it many of
2: times. I mean, I remember my first or second year, I drove to Miami, Florida, from where I live here in New Jersey. That's it's a 26-hour drive and i we brought 3 people with us and we split the drive evenly we split everything and the drive doesn't suck yeah yeah it's a thing then rather than a chore yes you know you're driving by yourself you got to do 26 hours by yourself which means you're pulling over to get some sleep because you are you literally can't drive anymore and you're doing all this stuff to accommodate Going to the fun fly versus you're with a bunch of friends. You just have a laugh and you manage and you actually have more energy and stay more awake because you're sitting there shooting the shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Joking around, doing whatever. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. So fun flies aren't as uh, they shouldn't necessarily have to be as scary or complicated as as some people feel like they are. They can be complicated, you know, but they don't have to be. I think some some things that, you know, in life, a lot of times it's easy to get paralyzed by indecision. You know what I'm saying? You just got to do it. Like, when, I forget which one of you guys said it. I think, uh, Devin, you said you just kind of lay all your shit out in a pile. Kind of like going camping. You lay out all your stuff and you can look at it and go, okay, I got all my shit. I'm going to walk down my list. Oh, I forgot to grab my transmitter from upstairs that's charging. And then you get everything. So let's try and recap some of this we talked about. Make sure you checklist and got all your stuff that you want to bring, and that it fits in your car. Make sure you're, you've, you've thought about electricity, right, because you're going to need it. Got made sure to remind us that you make sure you can hydrate yourself, bring some water or some sort of amenity. <laughs> have a table and a chair and a tent, if possible, uh, some way to have shade, you know, even if it's just one of the biggest beach umbrellas, it don't matter. What else for material items to bring? Uh, I mean, one other thing I can think of is... Um...
2: If you have multiple cars or something like that of making a decision of which car you're going to bring. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I had to I had to do that this week. I I have I've have three cars. I have two uh, I have two trucks and my my mom's Honda Santa Fe and yeah. would look at the logistics to drive my truck down to North Carolina it would have been $190 in fuel alone.
0: Hey yeah. Devin? Yeah. Devin, your privilege is showing. You should maybe hide that.
2: <laughs> thanks, thanks, yeah. Scott. I, I try. Keep it real. And to drive my mom's car was hundred and thirty dollars in fuel. Like so, and trying to make that decision as well can be, you know. Some sometimes you're like, oh, you know, if I drive this car down there, it's it's big, it's comfortable, it's not too bad. But at the same time, you turn around and be like, it's a little bit smaller of a car. You know, maybe you're a really tall person, so it's not as comfortable or anything, but it costs you sixty dollars less to get there and back. Yeah, for cheap skates like us, that's a great tip. Yeah. Right? Yeah, dude. I, I'll I'll save a buck wherever I can. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I was like, you know what? I'm driving my mom's car.
1: Nice. Okay. So we got our car, we got our stuff. You gotta make sure you can actually fly when you get there. So get your AMA membership figure out what your landing fee is going to be and make sure you got that covered. And uh, you know, make sure somebody else that's at the fun fly, other people know you're going, I'm sure they will. I mean, but um, you know, you could imagine a person that doesn't know better and they just show up at a fun fly, but then you imagine a situation where you end up at a fun fly and you know, guys like us, folks like us that fly helis, we're not going to let a person sit around super antisocial unless it's obvious they don't want to interact with people, you know, not like Dan, he sat off in the corner cause he had, cause he had to, he had his thing, you know, but, um, if you just show up at a fun fly and nobody knows who you are, they didn't even know you were coming, and then you don't go up and say hi to people, and you just sit off in the corner, you're just going not, not going to feel social or fun at all as as much as you would think it would be, right? Um, so don't set yourself up for a situation where you've you become isolationist if your goal is to get out and be social and interact with people at a fun fly. so um. And the only reason I say that is because I could see myself being prone to do that if I if I was to allow myself to do it, you know? I and mean, let's face it, there's a lot of people that like to fly, but just, oh, maybe they just run out of shit to talk about really quick, you know? But um, just be willing to be open to <laughs> social interaction with other people, you know? Um, I hate to say it, but we've all been traumatized by two years of antisocial behavior and only online behavior. So sometimes people's impression of What's funny and what's not is just—it's uh, out of skew. So be prepared for that as a as a person going to a fun fly, and also as a person that is comfortable at fun flies, seeing a new person there, right? R- remember, we we were all forced to not interact with each other as much as possible, and now people want to, but they kind of maybe don't know how as much as they used to. So I don't being know able to about that, dude, I dude, I think so, man. I think some people are, are, are it, it doesn't hit them, but it does hit some people, you know. <laughs> I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being a little Freudian here, I don't, know, but it, it's hit me like that. I know when I talk, when I think about going to Fun Flies, some of those apprehensions start to pop up in my head. You guys hear me on the show as a host and stuff like that, but you've never seen me in person, right? You've only seen me on text. You've never interacted I'm, with me in person. I know what you I'm know? looking
2: for. I'm looking yeah. for a really skinny, tall dude with a mean-ass beard. Or mustache,
1: mustache. Fuck yeah, Luigi in the flesh. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, fun flies are fun. So have fun, but be prepared. And um, uh, hopefully, the stuff that we talked about in our episode today will help you be that much more prepared for it. Anything else we want to throw in here on the uh fun fly attendance for noobs?
0: I think that's pretty solid.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, dude, I think I'm so. not
0: too.
2: I can't think of anything else right now.
1: Yeah. So if you want to know where to go fly with people, if you um, got Facebook and you're already in, like, there's uh, various RC groups, the RC Helicopter Hangout is one that uh, us guys in the show and a lot of other guys hang out in. And in that particular group, uh, Frank, one of the admins of the group, he put up a list and it's tagged in there that has basically a list of all the, all the big fun flies that are happening for the whole rest of the year all over the country. So if you're trying to figure out if there's anything near you, go hit up that Facebook book group and look at the pinned post, right? See if there's one that's near you and start your planning. And of course, listen to our show to figure out how to do it right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then call Rob to figure out, you know, the logistics of it. Yeah. Rob, yeah, will, give sure. you, Rob will give you good pointers of like, oh, <laughs> wait, till your, um, wait till your fuel light comes on to fill your car or <laughs> just wait till it runs out of fuel and then
1: push it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's just we the-, <laughs> right. the train has derailed it's oh. gone okay so if i wanted to get a hold of you Devin, how would i do that uh
2: if you wanted to get a hold of me you could do devon mcclellan on facebook and hit me up on messenger or you could do devon at rchnv3.com and shoot me an email and do it that way ah okay and scott how about yourself
0: Honestly, the best way to get a hold of me is to figure out what my cell phone number is and give me a call. Uh, you can probably email me at scott at rchnv3.com.
1: Okay, and if you want to get a hold of me, um, there is uh, one way that you could do it that uh, I would uh, be receptive to. Uh, what you got to do is you have to go to like a medium to large size town and terrorize all the car washes and use car dealerships until you can... Heal all the squiggly balloon guys that do the squiggly dancing thing. And then you have to take all of those, you have to arrange them in a pattern in Dan's front yard, and then turn them all on so that they can perform an interpretive dance in his yard. What? And then it will hypnotize him, and while he's hypnotized, he will just learn what your message is through the dance, the interpretive dance, and he'll be compelled to send me a message. Hopefully you don't turn the fans on too high because if they go too fast Dan might have another heart attack and we don't want that. So turn it on oh low so they dance nice and smooth and then Dan will tell me what you want. Uh, but if you're afraid to do that, um, you are you don't want to get in trouble for stealing balloons or you don't want to get convicted of attempted manslaughter in case Dan does have a heart attack, you can just email me at rob at rchnv3.com or uh, youtubecom slash nextgenRC. that was dark
0: that was yeah, very it was dark.
1: In dark yeah that it was
2: i don't know how to respond to that to be honest i
0: think we end the show <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> all right Sing it, rob let's get out of here boom uh, uh, Anyone needs Scott's phone
2: number, don't worry, I got it.